Hey, this is David Brothers, and I'm here with Brooklyn cartoonist Daryl Io, uh, creator of Little Garden, writer on uh, Comics Cube and elsewhere, and contributor to House of Twelve. Uh, Daryl, how are you doing tonight? Pretty good, yourself? Pretty good. So I just want to start with a basic question. Uh, you can feel free to be as detailed or broad or whatever as you like, but uh, when did you get started with comics, uh, reading them? Like, what, what prompted that interest? Um, well... I read comics in the way that uh, most kids do, where you just uh, they're just sort of around uh, the newspaper, comic book shop. They were really popular at my school, elementary school. But I think that really getting started with them is more uh, is more where I didn't break off where the other kids did. They just sort of their interests fell to the wayside. And I was just talking about this. I had this. Um, this really concrete moment where I was really disappointed in a comic book and I walked outside on my parents' porch. I was like 11 or 12 and I, and I just realized that I had nothing else to do with my life. <laughs> <laughs> so I said, I guess I'll just keep doing this, but I really hate these things. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah. And I just started doodling characters on, like those big stationary pads you're supposed to keep by your um, by your telephone that's plugged into the wall. Uh, yeah. So I just made up this like I just I however many pieces of paper that was I made up characters you know all summer. So. Do you still like are those characters just trapped in that summer or have you ever revisited those uh, ideas? I would if I could, but that's all just like I mean. The physical papers are now they're, they're that would have been twenty years ago. So I mean, there's <laughs> there's just no way to because I, I I mean I thought I feel like everybody gets this idea where you think it would be really cute to check out your little kid stuff and like and see if you could somehow work it into something that you could work on as an adult. But no, that stuff's all gone somehow. Yeah. Uh, what kind of comics were you into? Um, X Men, but specifically. Um, the adjectiveless X-Men of the early 90s and X-Force. Oh, yeah. We're the same uh, era or generation or whatever then, because that was my, like, those were my X-Men comics even to this day. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there was also really cemented by the show, too, because because I feel like like a lot of people have, like, this different sliding scale of, of how characters seem to them, but when it's put into, like, a show that was that big, it kind of made it be... Um, the kind of plain X-Men, I guess. Like, not the, uh, you have to explain yourself. Like, Cyclops is always going to look like a blue guy with a yellow yeah, Y-shaped thing on his chest, you know? So it's like, like that's like the forever version of those characters, you know? Like, just pure iconic. Yeah, yeah that makes yeah, sense. I to say, yeah. Fast forward a whole bunch of years from that, when I was doing my first work that wasn't really uh, a comic per se um, I was drawing the characters the same way each day to where they just had the same basic outfits the same basic kind of look to them and it didn't really seem like a, it seemed weird at first to, to really dive into sequence that way but it, mm-hmm. but it wasn't um it kind of felt like they were doing like that, that cartoon gag you see where they open up the, co- the closet and there's like uh, you know a hundred of the same outfit in there, but like yeah, it still felt right to 
especially in retrospect, when I looked at all that stuff together, and it, like, in the moment, a lot of times about comics, it just feels really stupid and repetitive. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, you're sitting there drawing something, and and kind of, like, internally saying, what do you, I just drew this, this is dumb, but then, like, you know, it becomes a... you know, in, when it, when you're all finished with it, you see that the repetition is the entire point, and kind of has to kind of hard to remind yourself that it feels pointless in the moment. You know? Yeah. So what uh, what do you get out of comics? Like, what's the opposite of that pointless feeling? You mean, um, well, the pointless feeling I feel is in making them. So mm-hmm. kind of making them is kind of hard to explain because. It encompasses so many different types of skills that it doesn't feel like one process. Um, but the actual drawing part, and not even the drawing, but the but the inking of the final drawing, mm-hmm. it deeply it, it feels meditative. It's really calming and relaxing, and you let, if you let yourself go instead of working in short bursts, what I usually do, it, it starts to feel like like the like like I don't know about you, but like my feet are always agitated, and they, it's like everything feels calm hmm. for like that couple of hours while I'm sitting there and drawing. Everything, like you're in the zone. Yeah, everything else is hard work. Like uh, like the writing is just absolutely excruciating. Um, the the initial drawing, the penciling. Completely, like, like, like the ideas of the pictures are fun to come up with, but the beginning to draw them and trying to, and and every single time, like, anatomy, oh, every single time the anatomy feels like it's not working, it's, it, it, you know, that part is all struggle, but as for, but, but then when you get to the, uh, the part where it's just, inking is just, all downhill. So, as a comics reader, uh, what what's the draw there? I mean, other than you know, just is it just the your preferred mode of storytelling? Um, it's, I guess I just got used to it. I suppose um, it's kind of hard to it's kind of hard to say because I feel like there's a lot of comics that is directly inspired by other outside media. You know, we always talk about uh, movie-influenced comics or movie pits mm-hmm. and all that stuff, or then, like, stuff that feels like like it's someone attempting to write for a television show, but it's a comic. So it's really... The, the lines tend to get a little bit, uh, a little bit blurry as to what is specific to comics and what is, and what is just sort of something that happens to be in comic form. Like I, I, I fight with myself about this more than more than than it's easy to play. Like there's a there's certain things about comics that feel absolutely it like you can't repl- replicate that other way. What I use mm. is uh, the newspaper strips, especially the old ones where it's just a small a small moment or point or joke and then it's like I'm going to say this one thing 
and then I'm going to leave you alone for the rest of the day. And I'll come back tomorrow and say one thing, and leave you alone for the rest of the day. <laughs> and where, on the other hand, the, the comic book, where you uh, get all of your information in a, in a big packet, and then, then you don't hear from the person for a while. <laughs> <laughs> but that feels a lot more like the way information is dumped on us normally when you watch a TV show, for example. It's like, I guess, the closest relative right now between, like, regular real-life comic books and anything else. So that, that I feel a lot more similarities with that, whereas with the comic strip, there's really nothing quite like it. Mm-hmm. End of comedians, but they tell all their jokes, like, in rapid succession. Whereas, you know, where you never have a stand-up comedian job on the stage, you know, waited for the applause to die down, said one joke, and said, okay, I'm out of here. I got a plan. So, um, so I, I really gravitated to the strips really, really, uh, in a big way, except that there's not really a strong outlet for them as far as like a commercial context. There's, there's a few places that are hiring for particular things, like the journalistic comics, but I'm not interested in. In, uh, doing anything like that, so, so it remains a curiosity. Like I enjoy receiving information, way, but everything is kind of everything is kind of muddy when you talk about comics as, as a thing that you're interested in, and mm-hmm. interested in seeing succeed, but you also are making them. Like I just noticed that I slipped back into uh, to talking about myself when I was answering a question about uh, other comics. I just it all kind of blurs back and forth between what what I would do or what what I think is like most suitable versus what what the other person or the other artist is trying to do. So it's, it's kind of hard to distinguish those things sometimes. Yeah, it's and I like that you're a uh, cartoonist and a critic, and it seems like you approach both with uh, equal enthusiasm. I guess is the best way to put it. Yeah. Uh, what led you to you know discussing comics online? Well, it's a funny thing. It's just that like it's like I was never not discussing comics. There just wasn't anybody to hear it a lot of times. I have a um, my godparent. Most people don't really care about godparents, but my godparents had a son around my age, he's a year younger than me. So I have a godbrother, nice. and every time we get together. We just talk about comics. He was in the same thing that I was when we were growing up. And, and it's just, like, to me, comics is just inextricably linked to talking really excitedly about them. Mm-hmm. And he's a year younger than me, but we have, like, we, we, we read similar stuff, but we obviously had extremely different, like, values. Mm-hmm. So, so there was always, so there was always like this idea that we were reading the same thing. So, like, I, so this idea that you would read a comic and not talk about it with somebody, just does it never. I hear people say it, and it doesn't compute with me. Yeah, because I, I when I grew up, I had a guy who was like close to my age, not geographically close, but when we got together, we would talk about the stuff that we definitely had in common, and we didn't do things the same way or think the same parts. Awesome or whatever. Like he's the one who got me into a hero. 
he's the one who got me into the X-Force comics, you know, so, like, he was That's there. a good friend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, also, also, I gotta say, he's the one I steal a lot of my jokes from, a lot of my jokes, so. <laughs> so you have, uh, do you have a comics creating community? Um, I've got several, actually, and that's another thing, uh, where I hang out with a lot of I hang out with, with groups of people about once a week, but separately. So okay. I end up actually having the same conversations over and over and over again. <laughs> and then I sometimes forget who I said things to. It's terrible. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, like, as far as, like, it's the only difference between, like, writing, uh, writing on the blog and anything else is just a matter of, like, whether the mic is switched on, you know, or, like, you know, so it's like this, like, thing is always happening in my head, and sometimes, like, sometimes I point it outwards. So it's like, yeah, I've never heard that described that way, but that makes sense because so much of the, uh, like the, I guess the greater comics experience is, you know, like who would win in the fight? What's your favorite issue of this? Have you seen this or that? Yeah, yeah. I think that stuff is valuable, and I, but I do want to say that for some strange reason, I never had those conversations with, like, my god brother. Never had mm-hmm. those conversations about who would win against who in a fight. Partially because we have the trading cards, you can see the stats. I mean, like, <laughs> no who would win against who in a fight. But, like, also, like, for some reason, we, even though we had different, like, ways of being, like, a hero, for example, we... I guess we always had similar enough, similar enough values that, like, there are certain things that just went unspoken I never really had to think about until... There are a lot of things I never thought about until I went to art school, just because I started at a level where, where they were already assumed. Mm-hmm. Certain... Like, like, I, like some people... Like, you, you ever see somebody who's stuck an artist? I can't think of one off, a good one off the top of my head, but somebody stuck an artist. Somebody says... Um, Oh, I don't like that. And somebody said, "How could you not like that artist?" You know, like, like yeah, everything like those sort of basic discussions were always were always enough on the same page that I never even had to critically think about like why something visually works for me until like I was in an art crit at school. So, so but uh, it, it all built gradually, you know. Okay, uh, I didn't know you went to art school. Can you talk about where you did you go for comics specifically illustration? Well, uh, yeah, I majored in illustration, and it was very simple. It was I went to a high school that focused on uh, the traditional math and science. My art portfolio was terrible, and for the entire freshman year, I walked around with a folder in my backpack with the original slides that I submitted to the school. Uh-huh. <laughs> Anybody around me got too cocky or arrogant, I would just pull it out. <laughs> Like, let me just tell you something, buddy. <laughs> Special for being here. <laughs> so I didn't go to a school where, where like a fancy portfolio or a really good portfolio was major. They were just more like, if you've done this, this, and this, then sure you're accepted. And uh, if you want to do the work, we'll hammer you into something. And I want to do the work, so it, it worked out for me. It didn't work out for anybody who uh, was sort of coasting, but you know. Yeah. 
Yeah. So you have uh, you, you used to write quite a bit on Comics Cube, and now you've mostly moved to Tumblr as far as like criticism reviews, uh, like Tumblr questions and that kind of thing. Uh, what prompted that change? Was it just like a natural slide? Um, I, I wish it was not a. It's not really a change per se, but I. They're both very immediate. Like, there's an app for WordPress on my phone. There's an app for Tumblr on my phone. And they're next to each other on my phone. Mm-hmm. It's just that um, Tumblr is definitely more. Uh, I would say informal, whereas Comcube yeah. is a shared blog. I started with my friends L. Nichols and Kevin Zeff, or I should say Chapievsky. Um, I always call him Zeff, but uh, <laughs> but um, so there's, there's a certain responsibility when you're posting to a blog that you share with people. You know, when it's not just uh, whatever you feel like. Tumblr. Com. So so you know. The formal criticism also was really, it felt really draining. Like, mm-hmm. I was spending a solid five hours reading a single mini and just, like, like I was filling up pages in my notebook. I was searching online to, to see if I could get a decent uh, uh, picture of a page that, I, that was in the comments that was right in front of me just so I could write this thing. And then sort of, like, and people liked it, and I was like, oh, cool. I'm exhausted. I never want to touch that comic again, even though I love it. <laughs> so, like, to do the type of writing that I that I felt was the most rewarding felt, it started to feel like I was, no, no, it didn't start to feel, I was definitely taking time away from time that could have been making my own stuff. Mm-hmm. And it started to feel as though, like, like, it got really, I wouldn't say aggravating, but there's a strange feeling when I put my name in, into Google to try to find my stuff, and I can't find my stuff because this thing associated with me, you know, there's a lot of images associated with me, and they're all other people's stuff because I'm writing about other people. So, <laughs> and it started, and, and, you know, I started to feel bad, like, hey, you know, hey, I can draw too. <laughs> so, you know, I... I and then there was also there were also like several situations where I'm sitting there reading a comic where I wasn't enthusiastic about it, but not only not enthusiastic about it, like I actively disliked it. Mm-hmm. And what really ends up happening is that you have to make a choice at some point where like, am I going to pound this comic into the ground because it deserves it? I mean, there this happened only a, about three times in the past few years, but like comics. I read that I disliked so much that it made my stomach hurt and made me just, like want to get off the train at the next stop and walk home like <laughs> ten miles through Brooklyn just and just like have one of those movie moments. Like I really hated these comics. Yeah. Just sort of like, but the thing about comics is that if I do that, then I'm I'm gonna have to be in that for life. It'll be me and this guy for life. Mm-hmm. And like those things where they tie your wrist together and give you a switchblade. <laughs> <laughs> like, like you, if you just like think about like think about like mini comics, like small press alternative independent comics, like it's not people say, well the, the community is really small and that's true, but it's not really the size of the intimacy of the community that matters. And I mean you'll see that person like 
the people that I write about, I see them in the hallway at SPF. I'm walking, and he's walking, and we're approaching each other, and it's weird. Yeah. <laughs> and, <laughs> and you're friends with their friends, and you're just like, you know, and and it, it's definitely like, say, you know, people refuse like he's our community being like like high school or whatever. It's not like high school because high school. I went to I guess a small ish high school, medium small, a thousand mm-hmm. kids, and that's a small high school. Like this is way way this is like summer camp. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a single dorm room in comparison. Yeah, summer camp that lasts forever, and you don't. <laughs> and so you're making this decision like, man, this I'm comic like like I'm grabbing out of my head all of the things that I'd like to talk about, but like like every every problem from compositional to to um, legibility to thematic, but I'm just sort of like, and then I'll be stuck with this person for the rest of my life. <laughs> you, know, like, you know, like I'll be stuck with this like, with like, with like with, I don't know. Like weird meta beef almost. Yeah. I don't, I don't, like it, it just it just felt like there was certain situations where I'm like, by the time I get off this train, because you know New York City trains are underground, you can't get a you can't get a reception on them. So I'm mm-hmm. oh by the way, I do most of my writing on my phone on the train. Oh so, wow! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, by the time I get to the air, we'll see how strongly I feel about it. And a lot of times, it's like you know what, I'd rather have friends, or I'd rather like. Not, not anger this other person's people because they're gonna. Cause a lot of people also like to run and talk, so it's like, just, I, I don't want to be. I, you know, I just realized that like sometimes that this, that urge to discuss just wasn't as important to me as um, as like the ability to like move really uh, a social environment. So you know. Okay. Uh, you mentioned that sometimes the writing is draining just because you're so, you know, laser focused on one thing. You spend a lot of time with it. Uh, how do you stay energized? Like, I feel like you read a lot of comics. You talk about a lot of comics. Uh, if I, like, read a random book and I go to you, like, hey, Daryl, what would you think of this? You know, nine times out of ten, you've got an answer for me. So what keeps you in the conversation, uh, for lack of a better phrase? Uh, let's see. From at some point in high school, there. At some point in high school, I stopped being interested in the X Men and started being interested in just comics more because I just still continued to not have anything else to do. So I just stayed within this uh, realm that I was familiar with. So I got familiar with different types of comics, not as wide ranging as 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 I would if I were in high school today, because you know there's the internet, there's like all types of stuff. But I just tried to become conversant in a lot of things. So, and also, it was really interesting in college where I would meet people and say, "Oh, hey, I like comics too." I'm like, "Cool, what do you like?" And, and something I never heard of. So, I tried, I, I, I guess I just like had this impulse to just know as much as I possibly. Could about um, about this thing that I was interested in, just because I didn't. A, a lot of it started off as not wanting to look stupid, and yeah. 
and wanting people to take me seriously. And and this is also something that's really um that, that a lot of this is also based on like really being like the only black person around. Mm-hmm. When I went to college, uh, there there were not a lot of black people at uh, the college of Rochester Institute of Technology. Uh, it's way up north, cold. Not a lot of people like Rochester, <laughs> <laughs> and it's like it, it was just there weren't a lot of there weren't a lot of black people in the art program, and there were not a lot of black people in comics. So when I went on the uh, on the year two thousand one internet to talk about comics, it was sort of like if somebody is out there on some website talking about comics, I will get familiar. No, I, I mean, at one point I worked at a bookstore, so, you know, it was easy. Yeah. So I would, I would find a way to get, and also their enthusiasm kind of would kind of catch on with me. Like, a lot of times other people liking something gets me more energized about it because we all have our biases. And my biases are pretty narrow, in fact. But mm-hmm. the way other people respond to it, kind of rubs off on me and it makes me just be more interested in it than I would be if I had approached that same thing cold. And even when I already read something and tossed it aside and then I see somebody talking about it, they're probably coming at it with a different with a different expectation or a different uh, result than I had and that rekindled my interest in everything that I, I, mean, I remember everything. Well, I didn't really think about it that way. And then, hmm. and then I, even if I don't even actually pick the thing back up, it'll just sort of like, it'll activate my memory in a different way. And so I'll be able to enter into a conversation with the person even without rereading a particular thing. It, it, it works in a lot of different ways, but, um, I mean, left to my own devices, my, my reading is pretty narrow. Mm-hmm. That, what kind of, like, how narrow? What, what If you could only read the stuff that you were just into, what kind of stuff would you be reading? Um, it's hard. It's really, it's really tough to, to put it down into, like, I mean, it would probably just be, like, magazine format comics, like, uh, got this thing right in front of me called Coffin Hill, and mm-hmm. it would basically be things that look like Coffin Hill. That's the best way to put it, I guess. Um, I mean, it's just one creative team, they're just doing their thing, they're telling their story, and it's, I mean, I guess it's supposed to be the supernatural horror genre, I don't really care for the genre per se, but I mean, the characters are doing their own character art, and the artist seems to be committed to drawing each issue and I'm pretty much into that and a lot of the other stuff that I that I do I do have the sense of um, like a lot of the indie comic mini comic stuff that I focus on has a lot a lot of that has to do with the fact that those comics are largely unexamined. There's a few people doing the uh, the work of reviewing them and a few a smaller number of people who are doing like hardcore analysis. Yeah. I just feel that as much as I could probably sit there and read 50 Coffin Hills and not bother anybody, there's already people who talk about that particular type of 
common. That mainstream type of uh, the vertigo thing, you know. So that that type of thing. There's already people who do that. There's there's a whole network of websites for that. The, the stuff that's interesting to write about is stuff that not that nobody has talked about that particular comic when um, when I'm looking at a particular mini comic, mm-hmm. but it's more that like people don't explore that that uh, that mode of storytelling, I guess, and the expectations that go along with it. And also, a lot of people who talk about comics in general, are don't, I don't know if they have the personal familiarity with making them, and mm-hmm. making them has a lot to do with it. Because if I make something and I, and I write about other stuff, it feels kind of like treachery to make these, like, Comicize Xerox myself, and then like turn around and only talk about stuff that comes out on like on like you know big publishers. It feels like like really mean to know all of this stuff about mm-hmm. their field and then ignore it. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not that I don't like this stuff because I mean I spent my entire twenties focused on the alternative comics, art comics, mini comics, like that. That was my entire, like, from college through, through well, past my 20s. I'm 32 now. So, uh, <laughs> so, to, to have that, like, that, that experience with making them and reading them, but then, and then if I were to just only write about what's super comfortable, feels less, it doesn't feel like, like, that type of writing I could be doing. Does it feel less honest? Well, I don't know. Either either way you look at it, I feel dishonest because there's um, because if I were to say I'm just going to write only about mini comics that I pick up at SPX or Mocha, then that would be very dishonest. That's not all that I read. Mm-hmm. And I know and I know that it's dishonest because when I find when I find that out from other people, I feel like they tried to trick me. So that means that if I'm doing it, then I'm trying to trick other people based on how I feel when, it, when I see it in other people. Like, the, so, like I'm saying, like, what would you know about this or that? And the person's like, what are you talking about? I read those types of comics, too. And I'm like, well, you'd never know it. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, like, I don't want to, like, secretly read stuff and be like, woohoo, this is my thing, but I'll never let the guys know at any <laughs> comics club that I'm reading X-Men, you know? Like, that's just rules are wrong. So, um, but then on the other hand, I like, can't just sit around and like, like actually act like I'm just going to like read Justice League and talk about it. And that's just to be my thing. Like that's just not possible because I know so many more different types of things than, than that one thing. So you know, it's, it's, so either, so focusing entirely on on any one thing would be would be a misrepresentation of who I am as a reader. Okay. Uh, we briefly touched on this earlier, but uh, race, diversity, gender in comics, it's, uh, I guess it's an ongoing rolling thunderstorm of a conversation right now. Uh, yep. You and I have both, you know, dove in on various subjects, but what, I guess, why do you continue to talk about diversity in comics? Well, Is it, pure self-interest. Um... I mean, that's, 
that's the, the only way to think about it. Like, I'm a black person, so as to, I guess to, to put it in the most extreme terms, like my survival depends on being race conscious in all ways. So in this context, survival isn't the type of survival with like, you know, knives and guns, but we're talking about survival within an art form. Mm-hmm. I have to be race conscious at all times still. Um, so when, I'm, when I talk about these issues, I try... I, it's weird. It's weird. It's very weird because there's a lot of things that would not be that would not be acceptable and sort of I just have to let them go because it's not the home run. And you can't do when it comes to social issues and you're that outnumbered. You can't do basis. You have to only go for the basis loaded home run, you have to only go for like the big the biggest thing that you can do in your small community because if you keep going at the little things, then no matter how good your intentions are, you will you will come across as a sniper. You know, like a mm-hmm. like you, a nitpicker. Yeah. And even though like I mean I know some people and not they're not bad but they just continue to do these, like, just, like, really nasty things over and over. And you can't just keep tapping them on the shoulder each time saying, well, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you can, but, like, no, no matter how right you are, it's going to wear on them. And, I mean, it's going to wear on you, too, but it's going to wear on them, and they're going to stop being receptive to what you have to say. And the, the the question then becomes how is how important is it to be right and how important is it to make it actually like an identifiable difference in in whatever in whatever situation you are, you're doing. So um, making a difference is probably the situation when you're trying to make a difference, that's the one where you where you pull somebody aside and say, look, you know, we got to talk about the thing. Or, but if you're just interested in being right, that's when you can easily just say, hey, you know, just slap down everything that is objectionable that you see every occurrence. I mean... It's like making an example out of someone as opposed to trying to make a difference. Yeah, but the thing about making an example out of people is... Um, is... No, you're never going to be wrong uh, that first time or even that second time, but eventually it's going to just, it's going to be, like, I I think it was me and you that said it, but, like, becoming, like, I don't want to become the race guy, like, like becoming the person who that that sort of, like, there's an alarm bell that rings, (laughs) you're, like... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <your> special suit. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and and you know, it, you know, it gets so old that you just feel like you're reacting instead of being proactive. Oh yeah, and reacting is really um, reacting and proactive. Well, I think when you're dealing with 
social problems. There's an extent to which she's always reactive. Mm. Um, there's because again, being being coming across as a nagger or like a nitpicker. Um, I guess I guess I guess the main um, I guess the main problem is that it wears everyone down. And what what I should say is that it, the important part is that it wears you, the person who is making the is trying to help people and trying to change society it wears you down but as far as the long term goes the, the really important thing is that it wears down the people listening and it wears down the people who you're trying to change and as much as you don't like to talk about it you can't I don't think that you, that you can get as far with um, I, I feel like it's a special job to try to do any kind of, um, like any kind, any level of activism, whether mm-hmm. it's like, like, um, like regular real activism or whether it's just sort of like talking to people type of activism, any of that, you, it, it's a, it's a matter of putting the needs of the task ahead of the needs of yourself. And I feel like, 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 you have to be willing to make accommodations just because if your goal is, is to fix society, society is made of people, you have to work with the pace of people. I mean, you're trying to speed up the pace of people, but you also have to work within the, within the confines of their human. They're going to get annoyed at you, even though you're right, you know? So yeah, it's, it's, it's something that, that like, also like, there's a lot of, personal growth and training where like I have to learn that like that I can I can't win in the short term ever, you know mm-hmm. long term. And the best thing and the best thing about it is that even when you win, nobody actually knows you won. Yeah, um I, I had a I had a friend send me like a panic message. He was like he was like, I don't know what to do. I have a friend that I grew up with. My friend is racist. <laughs> oh, that's terrible, and and then, and then he said, "Well, I guess he he asked me for help, and then he figured it out himself." He said, "I guess if I just sort of say things to him, but don't press the issue, he'll sort of change subtly on his own." And I was like, "That's you must figure that out for both of us." Is what I think. <laughs> like, like introduce little ideas to people and sort of like undermine. They're thinking just by adding contradictory things, but not really fighting them until like they will change their mind and they will think it's their own idea because it's been in their subconscious for so long. You know, as they're exposed to people, like they're exposed to your words, they're exposed to other things that come. Like they will actually change their mind and they'll think it was their entirely their own idea, and that you got to be okay with that. You gotta be okay with the idea that when you succeed in changing people's minds, they'll, they'll, the, the most effective way is for them to think it's their own idea. I can, yeah, I, I agree with that, I think. Because a lot of times, if, like if someone messes up big, you know, like a friend says something that they really shouldn't have, uh, their first move, their first instinct really is going to be defensive. And this is true of all of us. And that's the worst time to try to convince anyone of anything because they're like, no, you know, I'm not a bad person. I'm trying to do the right thing. Why are you treating me like a bad person? 
right on. Yeah. And so eventually, eventually, whether it's, whether it is something that they just come to on their own, like the next day, or if two years later, after being slowly introduced to things subtly, they sort of come into it. Eventually, because you know that, that, that there's like that cliche, like changes come from within or whatever. Like, yeah, I feel like, I feel like my friend was right in saying this, that like his friend has to feel like, like the change of perspective comes from, from self. It can't be this thing imposed on. And, and that's the thing that's really tough to, um, to let go of because, you know, when somebody says something offensive or when some structure is, is in place that's wrong, you want to destroy it now and fix it. But it's, it's I mean, we're talking the abstract, so it's really tough to, to really nail down exactly what the, uh, what the fix would be. Yeah. But in a lot of cases, when it's personalities, it's stuff that you have to sort of like hope that they'll, that they'll eventually acquire enough, uh, enough cultural knowledge, enough uh, social knowledge that they, that they decide to change their mind. That, you know, it's, it's a really, but it's definitely a terrible thing to, uh, to have to come to terms with it. Like, you have to let the person go out thinking racist thoughts or whatever, you know, sexist thoughts. Stuff. <laughs> like, you just gotta let that go and hope that you can, like, settle into Cool. Well, uh, this has been great. Uh, can you tell the listeners where to find you online? Oh, yeah. Well, I guess the I guess the most common place to find me online is Twitter, and that's just uh, my name, Daryl Io. Uh, I've got websites. i no, I can't even pretend that I use them, but I've got littlegardencomics.com, and uh, there's a there's one story on there, a uh, 20-page short story. And sometime down the line, maybe by the end of, maybe by SPX this year, there will be much different stuff on that. Very cool. And you've got uh, you've got a couple of Tumblrs. There's darylio.tumblr and Honeybee Revenge Party. Is that right? Honeybee Revenge Party, yeah. What's the uh, what's the gimmick of that one? Nothing. That's just a nonsense phrase that came to my that came to my mind one day, and I wrote it down, and then like a whole year went by, and I was like, oh wait, and the phrase just popped into my head, and I, and I that one is just uh, collections of stuff that I that I find on other tumblers and blog. I just don't I don't think that. I'm doing enough stuff on Tumblr that I actually need two of them, though. <laughs> <laughs> well, very cool. Uh, thanks for talking with us. And yep. uh, that's a wrap, I guess. All right. <laughs>